Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 28th of October 2012, entitled, Through One Man, Righteousness and Life. And the Bible reading is taken from Romans chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you were here this morning, you got the first half. We looked at Romans chapter 5 this morning, verses 12 and 14, as we looked at the simple thought that through one man came sin and death. This evening, as we carry on from that in verses 15 to 21, we're going to see that through one man came righteousness and life. Romans chapter 15, we'll begin reading with verse 12 and read down through verse 21. I invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word, beginning in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. The Word of God says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more. The grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more. They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, we thank you again this evening so much Lord, just that we can be here, and Lord, we, we recognize that, Lord, these words that we have just read, Lord, are words that you have given to us, and Lord, they're one of the most precious gifts that we could ever, ever hope for in our life. Father, we pray that as we look into these words this evening, Lord, not for man, but Lord, would you please speak to us by the power of your Spirit? Lord, you know every heart that is here. You know the need of every heart. And Father, we recognize that those needs will not be met by man, but if they're to be met, they'll be met by you. So Father, would you do that for us? And in so doing, 
Lord, may we give you all the honor, all the glory for that which you do, and we give you the praise in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Romans chapter 5, as we said this morning, it's a phenomenal chapter. Of course, all of the book of Romans is, but this chapter begins with really dealing in the first 11 verses with how secure that we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, of course, as we began to look here at verses 12 and 12 to 14 this morning, the Word of God teaches us very clearly that it was through one man, the only man that the Bible itself calls a type of that one which was to come in the Lord Jesus Christ. But in that one man whose name was Adam, that it was through him that sin entered into this world. It didn't come into existence. Satan was already there, but it entered this world by that one man, Adam. And when that sin came, death came with it. And that death was passed on to all men. And death has reigned. The human race, the natural world around us, whether it be trees, plants, the curses upon them as well, everything dies in time. And we saw this morning that, of course, just as we get those resemblances from our parents, whether they be physical or emotional, that there is also this spiritual trait that's passed down. We all sinned in Adam there in the garden. And that's why we break God's laws. We, I've said many times, and I repeat it again this morning, that we don't become sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners by birth. But thank God, what we see here as we, as we come into these verses, and, and of course, all are guilty before God. But God knew that in his wonderfulness before he ever, ever even placed Adam in that garden. We know that he had a plan in place, not because he wanted us to sin, not because he wanted death to be part of our lives. We said that that, of course, included spiritual death as well as physical death. And we looked at eternal death, that second death that will be ahead at one point. But he had a plan. Nothing catches God by surprise. You know, when somebody messes up or some great catastrophe hits this world, he doesn't just suddenly, oh, I didn't know that was coming. He knows, and he planned for us. And we see a tremendous truth here as he contrasts that one man, Adam, that came in the garden that through him we're all sinners with that one man, Jesus Christ, who through him and his act, he made the sacrifice that was necessary for each one of us. And so we see this tremendous uh, um, application here of, of looking at uh, uh, the consequences, the results of the first man, Adam, and the second man, the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we look there, I want you to notice, first of all, in these verses this evening, in verse 15, notice what he says. But not as the offense, which we talked about this morning, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, that sin of Adam, many be dead, I like this, much more 
the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. You see, we have the offense, the offense of Adam that's set off against the gift of God, the gift of grace. We find that the one is a free gift. And that gift, of course, as we've seen many times, that gift that comes by God's grace. There's one, one access to that grace, and that's through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. That's the only way to get there, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. On Jesus Christ's part, you see, for Adam, he made the choice to sin. He didn't have to, but he chose to. Jesus Christ, on his part, he chose to make that supreme act of obedience to his Father. Remember there in the garden when he was sweating great drops of blood? You know, as he looked and he realized all that was there, and he's, you know, he, it's hard for us to comprehend this humanness being 100% human and, and 100% God in this same, this same person. Father, if it be your will to take this cup from me, he knew what was before him. And you know, we can't even begin to comprehend and imagine what he knew was before him there to take on the sins of the world, to be separated from God the Father, to take the burden of our sins and pay the penalty for them with his own sinless life. But you know what he said after that? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. His supreme act of obedience, we find that it was disobedience in the garden that brought death, but it was obedience on the cross that brought life. Adam in the, in the garden, when he, that offense, that transgression that he brought, literally, you know that that, that word there, offense, it literally means to, to deviate from the path that's, that's before you. It means to depart from that which should be, which, which should be the norm. To go where you shouldn't go. Adam went where he shouldn't have gone. Adam departed from the path that God had directed him on. We said this morning God had given him everything. He had that one prohibition, one fruit that he couldn't eat of in the garden. That's the one that he went for. Adam transgressed from the one command, that one prohibition that God had given him. But you know, through that one, that one offense, many died. That death was passed on to all men, the Bible says, but the other. The gift by grace. The gift that the Lord Jesus Christ gave us. He says here it has abounded to many. Much more greater, we find that it not only restored man from the fall, but it made possible. It's almost too big for our minds to understand. It made possible for us to actually share in the righteousness of God himself. We're born with this sin nature. We're born with this, this nature that's been passed on to him because we said this morning, Regardless of where we come from or what accent we might speak with, what language, what color of skin, whatever, we all came from Adam. We're all of that one human race. 
And through that sin in the garden, that sin was passed to each and every one of us. But through the Lord Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice there on the cross of Calvary, he made it possible. Those, do you know that, that in the Greek, that word justified and that word righteousness, there's only one letter difference in them. Justified is a legal term. That means that when you stand before the judge, that it's not only that your sins are looked at and that they are forgiven, that's great. But to be justified means that he looks at you as if you had never even committed that sin, that crime, as if it had never even happened. That's why I've said that one of those little easy things to remember about being justified sometimes, it's just as if I'd never sinned. But it's a legal term that means that you're looked at in that way, whereas righteousness, righteousness is that that is there without that sin. You see, it's the right, our righteousness are as filthy rags, but he imputes the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God himself to us. Therefore, through Jesus Christ, we can go from that, that sinful man that is guilty from the time that he's born to stand before God in the Lord Jesus Christ as if we'd never, ever, ever even committed a sin. He sees us in the righteousness of him, not of ourselves. So we find that the first contrast that we see here is that by that one man, there was an offense. There was a transgression. There was the sin that was passed to all. But by God's grace, I like that song, grace greater than all my sin. You know, the truth is, is, is God's grace is greater than any sin. It's greater not just than the one sin of Adam, that one offense, but of all sin, of all human men, of all humankind. Adam's offense brought death. Death is a static thing. <laughs> you know, death, when you see somebody that's dead, they just lay there. They don't do anything. You see a plant that's dead, it just lays there. It doesn't produce anything but life. You see, with God's gift of grace, with that gift that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ, that gift of life, the very life of God, he talks here about it abounding. He didn't come just to give us life, but to give us life more abundantly than what it was. A very practical truth. You see, the power of sin, Death can be broken. It is there. It's passed on. It rains. Everybody that's ever lived so far has died. We said there were two exceptions this morning that we knew of, and even they had faced a spiritual death, though God took them out of here before their physical death. But that power of sin, death, can be broken because Jesus Christ broke it for us. He was the victor over death. The power of Christ that we find in salvation, it can never be broken. Nobody can break that. Boy, that's, that's what we can read through Romans chapter 8, and you can list anything you want to in that list. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing can separate us from that. There is absolutely nobody or anything that has the power to break the power of God's grace, of God's love, of God's salvation that he gives to us. We find that... The Apostle Paul, in writing to young Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and in verse 10, 
Bible says, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. I like these next words. Who hath abolished death? That, that one man, Adam, whereby sin entered into this world. We see a contrast against the one man, Jesus Christ. By one came the offense, but by the other, a free gift. A free gift by grace that would be imparted to all that would believe. Notice what he says in the next verse, in verse 16, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. On the one hand, one sin by one man at one time in history, we looked at that this morning, brought God's judgment resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift, given not simply for that one offense, but for the many offenses. And it resulted not only in restoration, but in this thing that we just talked about called justification. I like so many times, I guess, you know, probably the best-known Bible verse in all of the Bible would probably be John 3, 16. wonder why that is. Because the truth is so, so phenomenal. But you know, so many times when we read John 3, 16, we don't continue to read on the next verse in 17 as well. Because God did so love the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But notice verse 17, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The first man, Adam, brought the condemnation. Jesus didn't come to bring the condemnation. He came to bring the salvation to, to free men from that condemnation which was there, which was his. Have you ever thought about the fact that God hates sin so much that it only took one sin to condemn the entire human race, one sin to condemn all of human men, not because that one sin was bigger or worse than some other sin, but folks, just because it was sin, as a matter of fact, with everything that God gave them, dominion over everything and all that was there, they only had the one prohibition. It's really the only sin they could have committed, but they found it. That was the one. You find that any sin would have had the same effect, but greater greater than God's hatred of sin is his love for the sinner. He provided for the redemption of all men from all sins. The Bible says Jesus Christ took upon himself the sins of the whole world. We find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19, 
The Bible says to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God, right there, in Christ, reconciling us unto himself, reconciling the world. There was no deficiency in the sacrifice. We find that just as surely as Jesus Christ lived and Jesus Christ died, just as sure as he, he shed his blood there on Calvary, if you're here this evening, I know you're part of the human race, believe it or not. And I know that because of being part of that human race, that all have sinned in Adam. But I know this this evening, that God loved you. Jesus died on the cross for you. His blood was sufficient for whatever sins might be in your life. His sacrifice was sufficient to take care of your sins. By one man, that man called Adam, we find that there came the offense, the transgression brought death. But by the other, we find the free gift that comes by grace, that gift of life. We find with Adam there came condemnation, judgment upon the entire human race. But with Jesus Christ, there comes justification, an opportunity for you to stand before God as if you had never committed a sin in your life because he sees you in Christ. We find in the next verse, in verse 17, that he says this. He says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, we looked at that this morning, much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. It really is. We have used the term, I guess, a lot of times, Loosely and lightly, it's a matter of life and death. This really is death or life. No other two choices. We find that we've already seen how that that one man's sin brought the reign of death for all. But through the one man, Jesus Christ, came the reign of life. That was why he came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, which was the human race. Abundant, abounding life, which includes the very righteousness of Christ himself. That same one, Jesus, that grants us life, that gives us life in himself is the same one that will fulfill that life for you as well. He tells us in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, the Word of God says this, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He doesn't do any halfway work. He doesn't get started and lose track somewhere along the way. 
To reign in life through Jesus Christ is the only way. You see, when you come to know Jesus Christ, it takes care of the penalty of sin right that moment. But the only way that you'll ever be effective over the power of sin in your life is through that same Jesus Christ by living in the Spirit. By that one that lives within you, controlling you, having absolute control over your life, doing with you as he would do to you. You find that although sin is still present with us, folks, though that battle is still raging there all of the time, I've got news for you. As a child of God, sin is no longer your master as it one time was. You're no longer in bondage to that sin like you one time were. Sometimes people think when the Bible talks about being set free, that it means free to do just whatever you want to and live any way that you want to. And realize when you become a child of God, you want a different kind of life. It's the first time in your life that you're actually free not to sin. Before that, you're in bondage to it. Your flesh knows no difference. But in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the power of the Spirit, you're able to be victorious. We sing that great, great old song so many times, victory in Jesus, victory in Jesus. We can have that victory. It goes on here in verse 18. He says, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. He's reaffirming all of these truths that he's just given us here that it was by one man, one man in the garden that transgressed that sin, that left the path that God had led him on. And in that transgression, in that offense, that as soon as he committed it, death came with that. Find that all three of those deaths, the physical death, the spiritual death, and the eternal death, find that when that death came, that death reigned. We also find that that death was passed on to all men everywhere. Then we find that there was another man, that man Jesus Christ, who came not to condemn but to save. He came not to disobey but to obey, to offer the greatest sacrifice the only sacrifice that would ever suffice for the human race. And when he came, rather than death coming with him, because when he came, instead of bringing sin, he brought righteousness. And with that righteousness came life. And just as that death was passed to all men, that life is offered as a free gift to all. You see, the greatest, simplest truth of all of what we see in this, folks, is that every human being everywhere, we're all under condemnation of sin in our natural self, in our flesh, right back to the Garden of Eden. But Jesus Christ is there for us, and that life is offered to each and every one, and in Him, that life can be yours. You see, there's only two ways to stand before God. 
The only two ways that you can stand before God is in the one hand, condemn. Remember what I've said, and I've pointed it out in different illustrations and different ways and different sermons. I think I even said it this morning. It bears repeating again. One sin destroyed, brought the curse upon all of creation. If God allowed you into heaven, folks, if there was only one sin, the smallest sin that's ever been committed, if God allowed you in and that one sin wasn't under the blood, if it still existed when you went into heaven, there would be no heaven for anybody because just as that one sin brought death into this world, one sin would bring death into heaven and there would be no more heaven. There would be no more eternal life. God didn't create us down here on this earth in the Garden of Eden. He didn't create us to die. It was because of our choice of sin that death came. But he still gives you that opportunity, not of mortality, but of immortality. He gives you that opportunity to live forever, and that's what he wants for you. That's his gift to you if you'll take it. You see, verse 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. You know, I, I can't even begin, Brother Welcome, to, to explain righteousness. I've never experienced it. I've read about it. I know one that's righteous. But everything that I've ever seen, everything I've ever touched in my life, has been cursed by sin. But you see, the Bible says we have a choice here. He's given us a choice. On the one hand, we've got disobedience. On the other hand, we've got obedience. The essence of one man's disobedience, one man's transgression, one man's offense, he, he describes it in all these different ways. It was disobedience. Whereas that act of Jesus Christ, when he died upon the cross for us, when he became sin for us, that was the greatest act of obedience. On one hand, that disobedience made sinners. But on the other hand, that act of obedience, it made righteous because it gave man the only opportunity, the only way that he could ever stand righteous before God. You know, it's interesting. I love words. And God, God's words mean things to us. You notice that, that in this verse it says, For as by one man's disobedience many were, what's the next word in your Bible? Made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. That word made, it literally carries with it the idea of constituting or establishing something that way. In other words, by disobedience, by the disobedience of one man, many were established as sinners. But by the obedience of one man, Jesus, many are established righteous. It's God that does the making. We are established there. We are constituted there by God himself person genuinely belonging to Christ, somehow, some way. You know, I know, I have to look in the mirror as well. 
Sometimes we try to figure out, you know, think, God, I don't see a whole lot of righteousness sometimes. I see a whole lot of weaknesses and failings and shortcomings. You know, I believe that if Christ is within, I believe the Bible teaches us clearly that there ought to be a reflection of that. You know, there, there's, there's something wrong when a person comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and they are transformed, they are created, they're a, they're a new creation in God. Yes, they're still in the old flesh. And yes, we'll have that battle, as, that battle as long as we live. But the Bible teaches us clearly, folks, there ought to be some fruit. If Jesus Christ is living within, there ought to be something that's showing that in the Christian's lives. See, the flesh is always going to have its shortcomings. It's going to have its weaknesses. And righteousness will never be manifested perfectly in your flesh. But the Bible does tell us something else, that even though our flesh is imperfect, even though that we still have that battle day by day by day, there's something else within that didn't used to be there. And in Galatians chapter 5, we find that I believe the Bible is very clear when it states that, notice what he says in verses 22 and 23. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, Meekness, temperance. He says, against such there is no law. The Bible says that when he talks about they that live righteous, they that live godly will suffer persecution. There's going to be some tough things. But he also teaches us that we ought to know a tree by the fruit that it's bearing. There ought to be something that has that has changed there. We we sang that great hymn this morning, and it's still one of my favorites. It says, My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. It is well, it is well with my soul. Aren't you glad? Not in part, because God can't have a partial Christian. You're either Christ-like or you're not. He says here that the Lord Jesus Christ, that one man, came because of his obedience. That life can be yours. He gives us one final thing in verse 20. He says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. His contrast here is law or grace. Law or grace. We talked about that more this morning. We'll go back. The law entered that the offense might abound, that it might increase, that it might be made manifest, that it might see it. We, we saw that he said, look, even before the law came, sin was already here. 
Death reigned, he said, from Adam to Moses before God ever even gave his law. The law never saved anybody. It was never meant to save. The law shows us God's standard. It's by the law that you and I can see our sin. That sin kind of lies dormant. <laughs> boy, God's word comes along, and boy, it'll stir it up, and you're going to see it. And that's exactly what he's talking about here. We find that the law has never been the means of anybody's salvation during any age, in any dispensation of time. Abraham himself, <laughs> the Bible says, was saved solely by faith. Solely by faith. That was centuries before the law even came. Disobedience to the law never damned a soul to hell, and obedience to the law never saved anyone. You say, preacher, what are you saying? Oh, we can look at the law, and we can all see how we have broken God's law, how that we are all guilty because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all miss His standard. We miss the mark. But it's never saved the first person. It wasn't brought to save. It was brought to educate us, to show us our sinfulness, which already existed within us. Sin and condemnation were here long before the law came. You see, God gave us a pattern for righteousness. And he gave us his law to show us that. There's no power to produce righteousness except through the Lord Jesus Christ. The law identifies sins. It makes it visible. But only through Christ can those sins be dealt with. Can the penalty be paid and the power be overcome? We find that peace, peace with God. That Bible says that we're enemies, that there is an enmity between us and God. Jesus Christ brought us the peace treaty to give us that opportunity. Focus upon the one man, Jesus Christ, and his act of obedience, his act of redemption being much more, far, far greater than Adam's act of condemnation. Oh, each one, we said we began this morning that each one, one man, there's never been any two men on earth that affected the human race more than the two men that we've talked about today, Adam and Jesus Christ. By one came sin. It entered into this world. With that sin came death, which was passed to all men, and death reigned. But by the other man, Jesus, there came righteousness. And because of that righteousness, with that we're offered life, life that can only come through him, and a life that will be passed on to all who will believe, those that will trust in him, those that are there. And every one of us here today, you see the ultimate contrast as he closes out this chapter, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life.
by Jesus Christ our Lord. Death, that second death when death and hell are cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity, for life, life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the end, there simply are no other choices. There are none. And I guess that's the one thing that, you know, if it were possible, some of you might believe this. If it were possible, if I could preach from now until the day that God took me out of this world, if I could preach right now and never stop that sermon until the day that I quit breathing, the simple truth is, is that I can't save anybody. There's no greater privilege, though, than to stand and to share with you. Yes, not because that you're different from us, but because we're all the same. We're all part of that human race. Sin had its curse upon each and every one of us. That sin has been passed down. We are sinners right from the Garden of Eden until right now, and we all die as a result of that. This physical body will go back to the dust one day, just as God told them in the Garden of Eden that we read this morning. It will go back to the dust that it came from. Today, God wants you to have life. He wants you to have everlasting life. And that life can be yours within today, not because of religion. No religion can give it to you. Not because of any preacher, because no preacher can do it for you, but because of Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can do it for you. And one of the greatest privileges that we have as Christians is to share that Jesus with others, to point them to then. We're all condemned in Adam. But we can be righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ. We may not physically see that yet, but God sees it. And one day we will see it. Because he which has begun that good work in us, it will be finished. One day, the Bible says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, will be changed. And I'll never, ever, ever have to deal with that sinful flesh again. And neither will you if you belong to him. That's my plea to you this evening. Oh, I mean, if, if, you, if you know anything in this world, know that you pass from that condemnation unto that justification, that righteousness that we've talked about this evening. Know that you've recognized, not because we're pointing our finger and saying that you're vile and evil any more than the rest of us. We're all sinners before God. We've all missed the mark. But only you this evening can be honest with yourself and with God. Say yes. I know. Yeah, I can look at God's law. I can look at God's word. And I can see where I sinned this evening. God's willing to forgive that sin. And in Jesus Christ, you can be justified. You can allow God to see you in the righteousness of Christ, not in yourself. God can see you just as if you'd never committed a sin in your life because you're in Christ. But if you're still in Adam, if you're still in the flesh, you're going to have to face him with all your sinfulness. God doesn't want that for you. He wants you to take the, the free gift. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You'll never deserve it. God offers it to you. That's the contrast in this wonderful 
chapter that we see here in God's, that's the contrast between that flesh, Adam, who we are in this flesh, well, that man that you can be in Jesus Christ. God sees you in him and his life. Do you know that this evening? There is absolutely no reason that you should walk out those doors tonight and enter that world one more time without knowing with certainty where you stand before God. Let God do that for you this evening. Father, we thank you this evening. Lord, as we have looked into this passage, and Lord, it really is as we, Lord, come down through these verses, you continually contrast the one man, Adam, and what he did when he came in the garden, the one man, Jesus, what he did when he came for us. First of all, there in Bethlehem's manger. Then, Lord, there upon that cross at Calvary when he died for each and every one of us and shed his blood, when he atoned for our sin. Lord, we just pray that in these simple verses that this evening, Lord, for anyone here that's never been saved or anyone that may be listening to this out there later, Lord, we pray that you'd help them just to realize through these simple truths we're all guilty before God. We're all sinners just simply because of who we are in the human race. Lord, you've given us a way. You've given us a choice. That choice comes in choosing whether or not that we will stand before you simply in our humanness in Adam or whether we'll stand before you in Jesus Christ. Religion won't put us there. Man can't put us there. Nothing we do can put us there. We must admit who we are as sinners. We must seek forgiveness. The only reason that in the world that we can ever, ever have it is because of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he did for us. We give you the praise and thanks for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.